Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Eagle Brook Church. Welcome to those joining us online. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. And you know, before we dive in, I had a chance to attend the Anoka campus last weekend when we launched. And to see and talk to so many people who were filled with such joy, hope, and expectation was really unlike anything I'd ever experienced in my life. A family who attended church for the very first time at Anoka last weekend, she wrote in and said this. She said, how amazing is it to be a train wreck walking into church at 8.45 a.m. on a Sunday? By the way, huge deal for my family that likes to sleep in and instantly feel joy, love, and acceptance. Man, that's what it's all about, isn't it? You are a part of creating that for that new family. You know, if for us, it's never been about getting bigger. It's always about reaching one more person, one more kid, one more student, one more couple, one more family for Christ. And we were a part of something truly historic last weekend. By the way, for those who attend another campus other than the Anoka campus and plan on attending that other campus for the indefinite future, uh, we ask that you just stay away for a time being, okay? We know that everyone is excited to see a Kmart turned church, but we want to make sure we have plenty of seats and parking spaces for those that are going uh, to call Anoka their home campus. Sound good? Hey, today, I'm so glad you're here because we are kicking off a brand new series called Don't Mess With My Grande Non-Fat Vanilla Latte Faith. Kind of a mouthful, but we all love our non-fat vanilla lattes, our campfire mochas, or if you're very hip and cool, our spy house coffees, don't we? Right after college, I worked at one of the busiest Starbucks in Southern California, and people would frequently order drinks like this. Hi, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take a grande, three-shot, half-stirred, half-pack of raw sugar, non-fat, two-pump vanilla latte steamed to exactly 145 degrees, please. Californians, okay, Californians. <laughs> But because I was quite possibly the worst barista in Starbucks history, people would frequently take their drinks from me from the drive-thru, park their cars, and then storm into the store to demand I remake their drink five degrees hotter. Now, the reality is most people want what they want, when they want it, and how they want it. I mean, nothing wrong maybe when it comes to coffee, but... But what about when those same consumeristic desires spill into faith? I mean, for example, I'll obey the stuff about loving those people, but not my enemies. Sure, I'll spend time with God, but, but only when convenient. Yes, I would love a double shot of grace, but can you hold off on the truth? The truth has a lot of unnecessary calories, am I right? So what exactly does a grande, non-fat, vanilla latte faith look like? That's a great question, but before we answer that, we got to make sure we understand this word, faith. Now, the best definition of faith is trust in God. Trust is a belief. It's a heart and a mind belief that, that God is real, that he is who he says he is, but trust is also an action because if I trust God, I will obey him. I will do what he wants me to do. So faith is trust in God, and to trust is a belief and an action. So then that begs the question, what is a grande, non-fat, vanilla latte faith? We spend a lot of time thinking about this because we've got a two-week series about this. We think it's someone who wants faith only when it works out best 
for them based on convenience. You know, it's someone, it's when you attend church, maybe only when it fits your schedule. It's when you pray, only when you are desperate, give only when there's extra love, only when they deserve it, and obey only when you feel like it. Now, before you start feeling beat up, no matter who you are, we all live with this kind of faith at times, including me. My trust in God, my belief and my obedience, it ebbs and flows, it weakens and strengthens. Why does this happen? I mean, for one, we're tempted to pursue faith like we would a Starbucks coffee, just based on convenience and consumerism. Or maybe it happens because we tend to become complacent in our faith at times and start drifting. Every summer, our friends Marty and Chelsea rent a pontoon and a few wave runners for our small group to spend one glorious day out together on Lake Minnetonka. Now, in our small group, we have 12 adults and about 18 kids. I never take time to count. There's just too many of them. But for this one day, we leave all those kids behind, kids we love, but we leave the crying, the whining, the Sesame Street, the curious George to head out to Lake Minnetonka to spend this one day eating, playing, and relaxing in the sun. Now, we kind of lose our minds a little bit, as you're going to see on the side screens. We are so free. We have such a great time without kids that we love. And in fact, this is my wife doing a backflip just seven weeks after she had our second child, okay? So we are, we're free and happy. But anyways, last summer, a few of the guys, Dave, Kevin, uh, Marty, and I, we hopped off the pontoon and into the water onto a couple of these huge floating discs. And it was just amazing laying there in the water. Just we were chatting, laughing, making comments about how we all needed to join a gym again. <laughs> and it was amazing. We were so comfortable. We were so lazy. We were so content just laying there in the sun. But eventually we looked up and noticed that we had actually drifted several hundred yards from our pontoon. So Dave said, what are we going to do? I said, well, let's try paddling back. And honestly, we tried, but we couldn't make much progress against the wind. Plus, we couldn't get any real leverage on these huge floating disks. None of us wanted to hop off and swim back. So we tried yelling back to our wives who were on the pontoon and they either couldn't hear us or just pretended like they couldn't hear us. We're still not totally sure. But there we were, just stuck, floating out in Lake Minnetonka like a bunch of dead, bloated fish, unable to make any progress at all, and really unaware that we had drifted that far away from the pontoon in the first place. So I got to thinking, isn't it true this can happen to us in life as well. I mean, sometimes without even realizing it, we find we've drifted far away from where we intended to go, who we desired to be, or what we hoped to accomplish. Maybe even we've drifted away from God. And maybe it's because we've become complacent and, and we just started drifting. Maybe it's because we have pursued faith like we would a Starbucks coffee based on when it works best for us to our specific taste on our terms. Either way, we suddenly find there's a real chasm between where we are today and where our faith in God should be. 
You know, the reason we're even doing this series is because God doesn't want our faith to drift in and out based on convenience. I don't think anyone actually wants that for themselves either. Most people, I assume, want their faith to grow stronger and to make a difference in their lives. So every once in a while, we need people to say to us, come on, wake up. We need people to shake us and, and say, your faith is drifting. In other words, we need people, I need people, to mess with our understanding and application of faith. So that's what we hope to do in these two short weeks. So we're going to turn to the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 17, where we see how Jesus deals with faith that is far from where it should be. And in the story, a man who is desperate for help for his son brought his son to Jesus, knelt before him, and said this. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Have you ever faced an impossible situation and nothing seems to work? That's the desperation this man is feeling for his son. He's, he feels like he's tried everything and nothing seems to work. Now, normally we'd expect Jesus, and he often does, but we'd expect him to respond with kindness and gentleness, but that's not how he responds. Look at what Jesus says here. He said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Now, did you know Jesus could get frustrated? He was frustrated with this man's lack of faith. A lack of faith in the people around him and even the lack of faith in his disciples. So he healed the boy immediately. And he said this. He said, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it would move. Nothing, nothing would be impossible. Now, a few things about this text. First of all, a mustard seed was the tiniest of all seeds known in Palestine at the time. In fact, I brought a mustard seed up here with me. Can you see it? No, that's the point. It's very, very small. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, he says. Second thing about this text, no one listening to Jesus at this time would have assumed that Jesus literally meant you could move a mountain with faith. That's not what he's saying. This is a proverbial expression that was common to Jewish literature to make this point. With just a small amount of faith, no mountain can stand in your way. Nothing would be impossible for God. But I do wonder today, what kind of impossible mountain stands in your way? Because maybe you hear this idea that nothing would be impossible and you are laughing wherever you are. Or maybe you're about to cry because, come on, John, you don't, you don't know the mountain that I am facing. Maybe you faced a lot of setbacks in the last year. Your, your career suddenly ended. Relationships have changed. Your son or daughter has walked away from their own relationship with God and the setbacks just kept getting bigger and bigger. Or maybe the list of failures that you've experienced has created a mountain of doubt about who you're becoming and where God is leading you. Maybe more money goes out than comes in and you've got a mountain of debt. 
Maybe you're facing a mountain of a decision that looms in your future, and yet Jesus says with just a small amount of faith in God, no mountain can stand in your way. Nothing, nothing would be impossible for God. So today, if you'll allow me, I wanna mess with your grande, non-fat, vanilla latte faith, and I wanna increase your hope for the impossible. Now, I can't promise that mountain's gonna move, and I can't promise the impossible's gonna become possible, but what I can say is that sometimes the smallest acts of faith can make the biggest impact in your life. That's why today's message is titled Small Faith. So with just the short time I have with you, I wanna give you three ways to begin to move that mountain in your life. So the first is this. To move that mountain, use what you've been given. Notice Jesus said, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, faith is something every person can possess. It's a trust in God. It's a belief and obedience. Notice he doesn't say if you had a better resume, if you had more money, if you had a better job, if you were born into a better family. He says, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, faith to use what you've already been given. Up here, I've got six ordinary Lego pieces. Um, let's just say for the sake of this illustration that each one of these six Lego pieces represents something that you more than likely already have. Let's say this one represents your mind. Let's say this one represents your heart. Let's say that this one represents your legs or your arms. This one represents um, maybe your eyes. This one represents whatever talents you've maybe been given. And let's say this one represents whatever you currently own or possess. Now, if I was to start playing with these, do you know how many unique combinations I could create with just these six ordinary Lego pieces? And I don't mean just stacking them on each other. I mean every one of these little notches. If I just moved each one around, created a unique combination with these, do you not want to know how many I could create? I mean, maybe you're thinking 12, maybe 2,400, Thousand. This is going to blow you away, but I didn't count this, but a computer did. 915,103,765 unique combinations. Now, if you're looking for something to get your kids out of your hair for a while, <laughs> buy six Lego pieces, tell them to just start counting. <laughs> now, the point is, with six ordinary pieces, with what you've already been given, you have unlimited potential. You know, so often, and I think people try one or two combinations. They apply once. They have one date. They make one ask, and then they give up. But you've got so much more potential. God has uniquely wired you, no matter how inadequate you might feel. No matter how impossible that mountain might seem to overcome, God can and will use whatever you've been given if you'll just allow him. In the book of Exodus, it details the story of how Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt where they've been enslaved for 400 plus years. And on their journey to the promised land, they face a lot of impossible situations, no food, and then at chapter 17, they're without water. Moses is desperate for help. And God says to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff 
In other words, just an ordinary thing, what I've already given you. Strike the rock, God says, and water will come gushing out. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out. The reason I love this is because God asked Moses to take what was already in his hand. And then he asked Moses to strike the most lifeless thing imaginable, a rock. An impossible situation becoming possible. I wonder today if maybe it's time to take an assessment of what God has already given you. Have you ever considered the fact that maybe you have everything you need to move forward in faith, to have that conversation, to extend that invitation to pursue the dream that God has placed inside of you? But I also wonder today if some of you have given up and it's time to strike the rock again. Water may not be flowing yet. Maybe you keep getting rejected. Your family still won't talk to you. Your spouse still won't come to church with you. That fear, that anxiety, that heartbreak just never seems to dissipate. But what if you took what's already in your hand, combined it with a little bit of faith? And what if you just strike the rock again and again? That might mean you need to ask again. Might, might mean that you need to invite again means you need to try, get up, fight. Remember, we want to increase your hope for the impossible. So maybe you got to pray again and again and again. Water may not be flowing yet, but it might. That mountain will begin to move in your life. Use what you've been given. First way to move that mountain. Second is this, be faithful right where you are. You know, sometimes it's not about overcoming what's in your future. It's about being faithful in your present situation. At one point in scripture, Jesus walked through Jerusalem and saw a fig tree in the distance. Now he was hungry, hoping for some breakfast. So he approached the tree and noticed there was no fruit coming from this tree, just a bunch of leaves. So again, frustrated, you're noticing a theme with Jesus here. He said to this tree, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the, the fig tree withered up. Now the disciples at this point are amazed. Like, how did he get this fig tree to just wither up instantly? And Jesus used this moment to teach them something. He said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Now again, if you're like me, you're asking, what's happening here? This fig tree just standing there, minding its own business, doing its thing. And when Jesus, Jesus notices there's no fruit coming from what is supposed to produce fruit, he is frustrated. Now we don't even know if this fig tree was in the right season or not, but doesn't matter to Jesus because the fig tree is not doing what it's supposed to do. Now see, I think he's making a point. He's, he expects us to do what we are supposed to do. He expects us to be faithful to God in obedience to him, no matter what season we're in. And I know that, that you could be in a nice, easy season. Relationships are solid, finances are stable, no one is sick. He still expects faithfulness. Not always easy. 
in the great seasons. It's not. Could also be that you're in a really difficult season. Financial debt is growing. Failures are, are piling up. The struggles of, of achieving what God has placed inside of you seems impossibly far off. But even so, Jesus expects faithfulness. Now, what does that look like? Let me try to use a story from my own life. Right after college and then when my baseball career ended, God had placed a really strong desire on my life to pursue full-time ministry. However, I spent about 18 months in what I considered to be a, a really difficult season because instead of working in full-time ministry, I worked several tedious boring, monotonous jobs just to make ends meet. I worked as a school aide, a substitute teacher, a Starbucks barista, a 10-hour-a-week unpaid church internship, and best of all, a landscape artist. I emphasize artist because that's what I would write on my resumes, but truthfully, I pulled weeds and planted hundreds and hundreds of these, these tulip bulbs. And this was a really difficult season for me. I know maybe even me recounting that I had these little insignificant jobs doesn't seem that difficult, but this season was filled with doubt, uncertainty, and a lot of anxiety. But despite the struggle that I experienced during those 18 months, I had faith, sometimes just a, a small bit of faith, that I was going to work at a church one day that would reach thousands of people for Christ. So during that season, I determined I was going to do whatever it took to prepare for what God had in store for me next. So often, many days after, after planting these tulip bulbs, again, hundreds and hundreds of them, exhausted and dirty, I would head off to the Dunn Brothers in Matamidi, and there I would read books on ministry and leadership. I'd read my Bible, and I would take detailed notes for hours at a time. In fact, I still have these journals these journals are from those 18 months, 2007 to 2009, where I took note after note of books I was reading, things I was learning, what God was teaching me, because I was preparing for a future that had not yet come. Then while doing those jobs, jobs I often despised and couldn't stand, I would do them, or at least attempt to do them, to the very best of my ability. Because I knew that if I failed to be faithful in the small, insignificant seasons, God had no reason to bring me into a greater future. Sometimes as I, was, I would dig in and plant these tulip bulbs, I would pray a prayer, wondering if God was ever going to bring me into a greater future. And now it's hard not to get emotional thinking about where he's brought me. 33 years old, on the leadership team of a church filled with you, some of the very best, maybe most screwed up people on the planet. <laughs> a church that makes a young family feel the way they did when they showed up to church for the very first time. That's not anything we did. That's what you did. A church that saw almost 6,500 people come on opening weekend, completely historic. A church that has seen almost two thousand people make a decision to follow Jesus Christ just in the last seven months, working for one of the greatest senior pastors of our generation, way more than I deserve, not based on talent. And I'm not sure why that God has entrusted me with this, but maybe this principle is at work here. 
Maybe God saw that I could be faithful with a tulip bulb, that he could trust me with more. So let me ask you, what kind of season are you in? Are you in a tulip bulb planting type of season? Trust me, I know the season that you are in may be way more difficult than the one I just described. And I don't want to minimize that. But even so, are you being faithful right where you are? In today's world, time and distance have been obliterated. Not long ago, the world was filled with horse and buggy, not high-speed internet and flying jets. Um, You know, I read recently that when our first president, George Washington, died on December 14th, 1799, most of the world didn't even learn about his death until the year 1800. Now we know what our president has said or done in a matter of seconds, sometimes before he even knows what he said or done because of social media and Twitter. Now, because we live in a world filled with the instantaneous, sometimes we tend to believe that our lives should be instantaneously strong, healthy, and successful as well. I mean, since that person has the platform they've been given, since that couple has the healthy marriage, since they have the great friendships, the successful jobs, since, since they have the strong faith, I mean, I should too. But sometimes we, we tend to incorrectly believe that those people became successful and strong in faith overnight. What we don't see is how often those same people persisted in the face of setback and failure, how they remained faithful even in the small insignificant and difficult seasons of their journey. So the challenge for all of us is this. Don't envy someone else's season. Embrace your own. Because if we fail to be faithful in the small, insignificant seasons, God has no reason to bring us into a greater future. Why would he? Love this quote by pastor and author Mark Batterson. He said, if you keep doing the right things day in and day out, look out. Somehow, some way, someday, I love that. God is going to show up and show off. Be faithful right where you are. Somehow, some way, someday, God is going to show up and show off. So be faithful right where you are. Third and final way, real quickly, to start to move that mountain is to start small. You know, life feels just much more difficult when we focus on the end result. Why is that? It's more difficult to climb a mountain when you haven't scaled a hill. It's much more difficult to get to 100 when you're stuck on one. It's more difficult to save $10,000 when you haven't saved one. It's more difficult to give $1,000 when you haven't given 10. You get the point. So what can we do about it? Start small. That's why the Bible says this. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices, rejoices, to see the work begin. If we want to start to move that mountain in our lives, sometimes we just got to start and start small. Uh, This last February, my wife Emily got really excited about the idea of me losing a few pounds. And so she strongly suggested that we do Whole30 together. (laughs) Whole30 is one of these diets that involves a lot of non-fun food. Um, No sugar, no carbs, no sauces, really no hope at all. (laughs) But she got really excited, started researching all these recipes on Pinterest, started shopping at Trader Joe's, and we were off. And at first, I hated it. It was really difficult. I craved chocolate. 
I dreamt at night of hunks of bread dipped in garlic butter sauce. Occasionally, I would take out a piece of candy and smell it just for fun. But we kind of found, here's what we found. As long as we took it a day, one meal, we got through a day, we got through a couple weeks, and we suddenly found it wasn't that difficult, really. Now, I'd be lying if I said I did Whole30. I really did a different version called Whole20. Because on the 20th day, I sat down next to Emily on the couch after we had put our kids to bed, and she had a real heightened sense of smell at this point. And she said, what is that? What are you eating? And I don't know how this happened, but I turned to her, and I showed her the five fruit snacks that I tucked away in my cheeks here. I don't even know how that happened. (laughs) But the point is, sometimes you just got to start and start small. I mean, sure, we may face a setback or two, but we got to focus on what's right ahead of us and push forward and move forward in small steps. Great things are usually done by a series of small things anyways. I mean, physical health is achieved one step at a time. Books are written one word at a time. Debt is paid off one payment at a time. Generosity is achieved a few extra dollars at a time. Prayers are answered one prayer at a time. You get the point. Don't focus on the big insurmountable thing in your future. Focus on what's right ahead of you. Tomorrow, I get, may feel impossible. But today is right in front of you. I love this quote from pastor and author Craig Rochelle. He says correctly, you don't have to have enough faith to finish. You only have to have enough faith to start. Is that true? Sometimes we just need a tiny bit of faith to just get moving. So let me ask you again, what impossible thing is in front of you? What mountain stands in your way? Can you imagine how different life might look in a week? a month, a few months, a year, several years, if you just started small today. Right now, your life might be filled with shame and loss, complacency. Maybe your life is even filled with good things. Maybe it's filled with sin. Maybe it's filled with something more. Whatever it is, what if God wants you to start small right now? No matter how impossible it might seem, if you just start small now, that mountain might begin to move. But can you imagine telling a story one day where you could tell someone, you know, in 2017, I believed in God, but only when convenient. I actually liked my my grande non-fat vanilla latte faith, but I made a decision. That wasn't enough. I decided to make God my top priority. So I committed to attend church every weekend, never miss, to spend time with God on a daily basis, whether it's in his word or praying. I decided to start serving both in my church and outside the walls of my church. I determined to join a small group, and that small group became my closest friends. And now my whole family is living for God. Your story could be no matter what life throws your way, And again, life isn't going to be easy, but no matter what life throws your way, nothing feels impossible because your faith 
is firmly planted in Christ. What impossible situation are you facing? What mountain stands in your way? And then ask yourself, what story do you want to tell someday? Pick one thing and then go after it. You know, today I want to let you know that mountain is going to begin to move for some of you. I feel it. I believe it for you. You already have everything you already need. God has given you so much, so much more than we even know or imagine. You have everything you need. Be faithful in your present season. It might be really difficult or it might be really great. Whatever season you are in, be faithful to God and then start. Start. I believe it. That mountain is going to move for some of you today, this week, this month, this year. I see it every week. That mountain is going to begin to move with just a small amount of faith. I hope you feel it now. Nothing is impossible for God. No mountain can stand in your way. Across all campuses, let's stand for closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a God who wants to move us forward. I'm grateful for that standing here, even thinking about the things in my own life that I need to move forward towards in faith. I'm grateful that you want us to grow and get stronger. It's not always easy to receive, Lord. But I pray for our hearts and our minds and our spirits that we would receive this challenge. It's not an easy thing to hear that we are supposed to take steps of faith and move forward. But God, we receive it. Lord, thank you for sending your son Jesus to teach us so much about what it means to have faith. Thank you for sending him that he could provide a way that it would even be possible to have a relationship with you. And so as we move forward into these next couple of weeks and approach the Easter season, God, help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Let us know, all, every person here, every person who's listening or watching, let us know, God, that you have given us everything we could possibly need. Help us to be faithful in our current season and Lord, help us all to take just small steps of faith. God, we are grateful. We want to keep our eyes focused on you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, see you next week, everyone. It's going to be a great one with Jason Strand. See you next week. <laughs>